Bumba Clots. Episode 21 is on deck. We are back. Now, Bumba Clots is, is a derogatory uh, term, isn't it? Yeah, but we're taking it back. <laughs> we're going to turn we're it into it a, a term of uh, endearment. So Excellent. Yeah. Welcome to episode 21. So excited about this one, as usual. We have uh, some amazing guests. We have Elise McDonough, uh, High Times employee, art director of my uh, strain book, and author of the High Times Cannabis Cookbook. The official, uh, official High, High Times, Times Cannabis, Cannabis Cookbook. Cookbook, just out now. With great amazing, book. Great book. Amazing photos, great recipes from all over, and uh, you know something to satisfy everyone's munchy needs. Uh, we also have an interview with uh, Adam Dunn from TH Seeds and uh, Hempworks and Hemp Hood Lamb and the Hood Lab in Colorado. A number of projects, but in particular TH Seeds, which have uh, almost 20 years now history of breeding some really amazing strains. So we're going to talk to him about uh, the strains. We're going to talk to him about the, the jackets. We're going to talk to him about all kinds of stuff. And, of course, as usual, all of our cultivation uh, the strain of the week, uh, the cultivation tip of the week, which is the seven habits of highly effective growers, and our Q&A, questions and answers, uh, Dear Danko style uh, grow questions. So very excited about a great episode, 21. I can't believe here we are at lucky number 21. It's really lucky cool. Lucky number 21, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, man. I, I, I don't know if I expected we would get this far. I, I mean, you know, in my wildest dreams. But you know, I'm not a radio guy. I don't really know what I'm doing. So it's it true. Is. He doesn't. He really <laughs> so doesn't. it is pretty cool, you know, just to jump into this uh, amazing pod, podcasting podcasting world and be able to actually see that we're we're gaining in fans, gaining in listeners, gaining in subscribers, gaining in and and we've got a real test next week cuz we're going to do a live one of these live in Denver, show from so Denver. That's, that's exciting. Thank you Russ Check and Normal out. Radio Network cuz we're very excited about that. We're going to put put together a show uh for you guys and actually do it live. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Excited and nervous, I would say. It, yeah, I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both, but yeah. um, we'll take it. We'll see how it goes, uh, yeah. and you guys will let us know also. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think we should do a little true or false. We haven't oh, yeah. done it in a while. We only did it once, and it was enjoyable. We People got a couple it. of questions. Let's uh, bring that one back. Yeah, let's do it. If you guys have a question that you'd like to hear on true or false, please do get in touch with us at Danny Danko on Twitter, at MyQs underscore, and of course, freeweed at hightimes.com. Yeah. So let's dive right in. We've got about six here, three of which are from our boy, Jake Baked, 420. Awesome. <laughs> so, number one fan. Number one fan. Let's start it off. Shout Jake out Baked. to JB. All right, so let's dive right in. True or false? Uh, sativa strains contain more THC than indica strains. Uh, you know, initially I would say true, but now that we've got uh, all these lab results and tests, uh, I'd have to say that's not necessarily true because plenty of the indicas tested pretty high too. The uh, the OGs and chems and, and sours and stuff that we typically consider slightly more indica dominant uh, actually tested in the 20 or more percent THC. And of course there were the requisite sativas in the bunch too. Um, you know, the Dr. Grinspoon and a few others, which did test over 20% as well. So at this point with the way that, uh, breeders are breeding and the, and then the fact that almost everything is, is, uh, you know, a 50, 50 hybrid or, or very close to that 60, 40. Uh, now at this point, pretty much indicas and sativas are testing both very high. So, in the old right, days, I, I would can't say accept not necessarily true as an answer. True or false? false. false. We got a false. false. All right. False. Second question. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, second statement, because these are true or false. Jake baked also. True or false? Outdoor cannabis can be just as good, if not better, than indoor. Absolutely true. Although it goes against uh, a lot of what the way pe people's perception is. Absolutely, nothing beats the sunshine for uh, full development of. Uh, resins and essential oils 
you can't really mimic that indoors. And the reason some people do prefer indoor is because it's better trimmed and it's taking care. It's more like micro brew. It's taken care of. Uh, each plant gets a little more care. So therefore the trimming, the growing and everything is a little bit more, I'd say, you know, artisan, artisanal, but the truth is outdoor herb can be just as good. As long as it's properly trimmed and properly taken care of, it can be better. And it's got a negative carbon footprint. You're actually putting oxygen, you know, into the world and sucking carbon dioxide out of it rather than the indoor method, which really does take up a lot of, uh, you know, fossil fuel energy. So all right. Well, that one outdoor. went in a weird uh, direction, but we'll have you down for true on that. It is true. Better. Okay. Outdoor. I mean, it's controversial, but it's true. Controversial, but true. All right. Uh, Jake Baked has one more for us. And I think it's kind of right. interesting. So true or false, you have smoked at least 420 strains. Wow. I'm, huh. I'm assuming that means 420 different, different strains. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'd say that's around the over, under, or, or under. So yeah, it's true. I have probably smoked uh, more than 420 strains total in my life. Uh, you know, there's a, 130 in the book. Uh, if people don't know, I wrote the official field guide to marijuana strains, official High Times field guide. Uh, still available at headshop.hightimes.com. Uh, we're also a, giving it away piecemeal on hightimes.com. We, every <laughs> yeah, week little we by put little. A little and, up. you know, uh, hopefully I'll be updating that book and working on a grow book uh, pretty soon as well. So that's in the near future. But, yes, I believe that I have smoked more than 420 different strains. All right. It's a bold statement, but true. Danny Danko has smoked at least 420 different strains. Uh, this one comes from Sam via email. Uh, true or false, the medical marijuana movement in Oakland will fall apart without the leadership of Richard Lee. Hmm. I say false. Um, Richard Lee has been an incredible leader for 20 years, and this Oaksterdam bust is total bullshit as far as I'm concerned from uh, the federal government. But I do believe that there are a great number of incredible activists in the Bay Area who are going to pick up the mantle. I don't think, honestly, that Richard Lee is out of the game himself. I think he's transferring some of those companies, Oaksterdam and, and Blue Sky and stuff, into other people's names. I don't think he's out of it uh, by any means. And I just think that, you know, they've worn him down and they've worn us all down, but it's their last gasp and it's our, uh, you know, homecoming, so to speak. And I do believe people are going to take up the mantle. There's great activists, Steve D'Angelo, Debbie Goldsberry, Mickey Martin, uh, people out there just doing the work. Uh, the, the answer is false. Although Rich Lee has been an incredible activist for all these years and, and a, a great mentor and, and a wonderful, uh, wonderful proponent of cannabis, we will continue to prevail uh, without him at the helm. All right, false, and that is good news for medical marijuana in Oakland. Uh, yeah, and on a side note, I would say if you're out there or anywhere, just stand up for your rights. Join Normal. Join SSDP if you're a student. Join any organization you can to help us. Uh, donate what you can if you're a computer person or whatever, whatever it is that you do. Do it for the movement, and we will have legal marijuana very soon. All right. That got a little deep for true or false, but uh, moving on. <laughs> Next question comes from Rucko. True or false? And this is an interesting one. Uh, marijuana can be used to help people lose weight. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I would say true. Uh, as long as you're not, you know, allowing the munchies to rule you and, and eating a lot of uh, junk food and things like that, I, uh, I find the runner's high to be actually quite real. I, I in my opinion... When you run and you burn off fat cells, the THC in your fat cells is, is drawn out, and that's what that runner's high is for people who smoke. And so rather than the stereotypical you know, sitting on the couch playing video games thing, I've met plenty of very productive pot uh, people who uh, are very healthy, uh, work out a lot, and have lost weight while smoking cannabis. Uh, it's really a matter of allowing yourself to, you know, ensure that you continue to do what you do. Don't let marijuana make you lazy. Um, just allow it to be a spark for you. And if you'd like to get high before you take a run and it works, that's great. If you prefer to come home after working out and smoke up to help ease the pain of uh, sore muscles, then that's great too. But 
uh, motivation is the key factor. Don't, don't let uh, marijuana be your excuse to not be motivated to live your life. And if you want to lose weight, you can lose weight while smoking. It really is just a matter of your own motivation. All right. So officially we have you down for true on that, but really it is, uh, it's possible. It's a possibility. Right. I mean, I think anything's possible. All right. Great. And uh, we got time for one more. This comes from Jeremy. Uh, true or false, raw makes the best rolling papers. I got to go with true. <laughs> My favorite ro- rolling papers are raw. Uh, they're natural. They're unrefined. Uh, people Sometimes people look at them and think maybe they're a blunt because they're kind of darker colored. They don't have that bleach or dye or anything in them. Uh, and they burn they burn the best for me. I really do think uh, raw papers are great. I think that the clipper lighters that they put out are great lighters. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's my favorite rolling papers. Everybody knows it, uh, who knows me. And, you know, anytime I travel, I bring my own because I don't like getting stuck, you know, smoking easy waters or, or uh, anything like that. And notebook papers, just not cutting it, Bible pages aren't going to aren't going to do the trick in a pinch and and, and god forbid the old uh uh tampon wrapper trick definitely don't get yeah, down let's, with that let's not even consider that one so yes <laughs> uh true raw does make the best rolling papers raw um, raw life yeah well danko thanks for playing true or false that was fun if you guys have a statement that you'd like uh, to enter into our true or false segment hit us up at danny danko at my cues underscore freeweed at hightimes.com uh, sit tight, everyone. We're going to come back with a really special guest. Yes, Elise McDonough talking about marijuana munchies, edibles, and her new book, the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook. So stick around. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. All right. Welcome back to Free Weed, episode 21. We have a wonderful uh, guest with us, Miss Elise McDonough, the author of the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook. Welcome, Elise. Hey, how you doing, Dan? Good, good. It's great uh, to have you on the show finally, and uh, the book looks amazing. This is the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook uh, with more than 50 irresistible recipes that will get you high. That's the tagline, right? Yeah, there's definitely – there's a lot more than 50, but a few of them won't get you high. Like the raw juice won't get you high, but it will leave you feeling very healthy and nourished. So there's a lot of fun things in there to check out. Nice. And that's raw uh, cannabis leaves that are juiced together with other vegetables and stuff? Yeah. You know, I've been getting a lot of uh, interviews and stuff and talking to a lot of people about this book. And everyone's really surprised to hear about the raw juicing which has gotten really popular in California. And you're basically just taking the raw, fresh leaves and throwing them in your juicer with carrots and apples or whatever else you like. And uh, it's proving to really be helpful for a lot of people who need it for their medical conditions. Yeah, and I think that, you know, with those enzymes uh, being alive in the leaf matter, I think you're getting different Mm -hmm. uh, cannabinoids like THCA, if I'm not mistaken, and um, certain very beneficial medical... uh, medical benefits from that. Yeah, you're getting them. It's just like raw food. You're getting the nutrients in their form before they've been broken down. So it makes it a lot easier for your body to absorb a lot more of the cannabinoids. So if people want to just saturate their bodies with cannabinoids and not have an impairing effect from being too high, uh, juicing is the way to go. Cool. Right on. Well, um, Flipping through this book, there are just some really amazingly beautiful photographs as well. Uh, it really uh, is a very professional cookbook, so uh, big ups to you on that. I mean, some of these recipes are pretty amazing. The stuffed jalapeno poppers and the Cheeto fried chicken, which uh, is from our friend Eddie Wang, the uh, well-renowned chef here in New York. Yeah, it was really fun having everybody participate. It's like we, you know, we cherry-picked all the best recipes from the past, you know, 30 years or so of high times and just included a lot of ones from our friends and family and honoring the counterculture heroes like Brownie Mary and Jack Herrer. Chef Ra, yeah, Chef Ra as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Chef got- Ra for sure. 
Yeah, that's and awesome. Ashley Boudreau and uh, Chef Mike from Cannabis Planet and Hempy Chef Raquel and everybody else who contributed recipes. They just did a great job. Cool, cool. It says that there's uh, recipes inspired by Snoop Dogg, Cheech and Chong, and Willie Nelson as well, which is really cool. Yeah, we have Little Snoop's Hot Doggy Dogs, which is basically a, uh, a hot dog that's been stuffed with cheese and wrapped in bacon and then deep fried and then served on a bun that's been toasted with cannabis butter. So uh, we advise people, if you make the hot dog, to cut it into three pieces and share it with your friends because yeah. it's definitely a decadent delight. And then we have a Cheech and Chong's Nice Dream Ice Cream, which we found in real life here in Santa Cruz at Wham! Valerie Corral makes a mean, uh, nice dream ice cream, so we included her recipe to honor Cheech and Chong in their infamous movie, Nice Dreams. And then, yeah, then we got Willie Nelson's uh, Texas Cannabis Chili, which is just as he described it in his autobiography. So I hope that one day I get a chance to make it for Willie myself. That would be a great honor. Yeah, wow, that's great. Um, Also, I I love these uh, pico de ganja nachos. That looks really good. Yeah, we got stuff in there for the dudes who don't really know how to cook. You can mix up those nachos pretty fast and have, like, a fun treat when you're watching football or whatever. What is the key to getting uh, the the most out of your ganja into the food that you're going to make? Well, you know, it's interesting because you talk to every old hippie and everybody's got their own method and everybody, of course, swears that their method is the best. So you're going to get a different opinion from everybody on this. So some people say that you should put it in a crock pot and simmer it on very low heat um, overnight, you know, or while you are at work during the day for up to eight hours at a very low temperature. With butter or oil. Yeah, and that's certainly very convenient if you happen to have a crock pot, which you can find at garage sales and on Craigslist, and, you know, they're pretty cheap and easy to get. Um, But if you need, if you're in a big rush, you know, maybe you know somebody who's not feeling well and they need to feel better right away. You want to get your butter done as soon as possible. You can simmer it on low in a double boiler on your stovetop for as little as an hour. And it might not be the most potent thing in the world, but it's going to get the job done. So then you also have to just be careful that if you're making uh, cannabis treats for somebody who's sick or who's never used cannabis before, not to overdo it because it can be a little frightening if you eat too much. Right. Well, what's the biggest difference between eating pot and smoking it? Well, it's interesting. We asked uh, Dr. Jeffrey Hergenrather, who's the head of the Society for Cannabis Clinicians, about the effects of eating versus smoking. And what he said is that when it gets processed through your liver after you eat the cannabis, and your liver takes the THC and converts it into yet another chemical called 11-hydroxy-THC, which is even more potent and more psychedelic than, you know, our smoked traditional THC. So that's why edibles can really give you a very intense experience sometimes. Um, And also it takes about two hours for this process to happen, for it to go all the way through your digestive system to your liver and then on to your, you know, your circulatory system and your brain. So it's always important to wait after you've eaten the treat. Because I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I ate it and I waited and nothing happened, so I ate more. And then they've eaten too much. So always wait at least two hours after you eat before you eat anymore. Cool. And if you do happen to eat a little too much, what's the, what's the best thing to uh, sort of come down from that? Well, the most important thing is to mentally remember that there's no way that you are going to have a fatal overdose. It's impossible. So some people might have a, a panic attack type reaction, and they're going to think, oh, my gosh, uh, something horrible is happening to me. I need to go to the hospital. But it's just important to remember to calm down and that you've eaten too much and it's going to go away in probably about six to eight hours. Most likely you're going to end up sleeping, and when you wake up, you're going to feel fine. So it's important to be in a safe place, you know, find somewhere calm to lay down and, you know, drink a bunch of water, eat other food that's unmedicated. And just distract yourself by listening to, you know, music that you like or watching a movie that's, you know, funny or interesting. And pretty soon you're just going to go to sleep and then you're going to be fine. Cool, cool. Well, I also wanted to mention two other chefs who uh, 
who got their stuff in here. Of course, uh, Chris Bliss with the Sativa Shrimp uh, Spring Rolls, and my own uh, brother-in-law, David Miss, Dave Miss, who got a uh, a ganja gumbo, I believe, in the, in the book, right? Yeah, his recipe is very authentic, and it's certainly a long simmering traditional Cajun gumbo. And it's interesting because New Orleans is one of the birthplaces of the counterculture with, you know, the jazz musicians mixing with all the different people in Conga Square and, you know, smoking their reefers. And so it's a very interesting cookbook because we like to get a lot of recipes that, you know, have a little piece of counterculture history to them. So it's a fun thing for the reader to learn about while they're making the food. Nice, nice. And you recently went to like a a really cool kind of underground uh, ganja meal uh, in L.A., I believe, right? Yeah, that was really excellent. It was really fun. I teamed up with uh, Natasha, our uh, former managing editor, and she and I went to this dinner that was an eight-course meal that infused uh, cannabis as well as different Chinese herbs. And the chefs who were throwing it, it's a um, Vietnamese chef named Tai Tran, and he's from Starry Kitchen, and then a French chef uh, named Laurent Quinault, and they both collaborate on these different pop-up restaurants and these different underground dinners that they throw. And they decided, let's do one and use some cannabis. But their main focus was to use the flavor and to develop the flavor in interesting ways. And they weren't so focused on getting people, you know, inebriated. Um, so they used a lot of fresh leaf. They also used some dry leaf, but very sparingly. But the way they used it was really quite fun and interesting. Cool. Um, if you're ever in L.A., I'd say definitely go check out Starry Kitchen. They're a really fun uh, gang over there. Nice, nice. Well, you have um, uh, Twitter and Facebook pages as well for, for this. Now, how, how would people uh, get in touch or also how would they purchase the cookbook if they were, if they were mm-hmm. interested? Well, if you want to get a cookbook, go to HighTimes.com and visit our head shop. And you can get the books there as well as Danny Danko's books and (laughs) mixed DVDs and everybody else's products. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook if you search the High Times Cookbook or on Twitter. It's uh, Elise McDee 420 And I look forward to hearing from people and interacting with them. Uh, Doing the book has been a lot of fun. I've met a really lot of interesting people while working on this project. Right on. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I will see you and uh, Bean in Denver. Really excited for that. And uh, I'm sure you're doing a ton of press for the book. So I will let you uh, get on with that. But thank you so much, uh, Elise. And uh, we shall talk to you soon. Awesome. Yeah, we're psyched for some ping pong. Yeah, awesome. Stoned (laughs) ping pong. (laughs) cool well i'll see you soon and uh again congratulations on this amazing cookbook the official high times cannabis cookbook and uh yeah see you soon all right take it easy dan all right bye thanks e All right, we are back, and we are delighted to have with us uh, Adam Dunn from TH Seeds and Hemp Works and Hemp Hoodland. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, in case people don't know, uh, you are uh, the man responsible for uh, TH Seeds, in particular, uh, with some pretty legendary uh, strains, including MK Ultra, uh, Hog, Sage. Cushage, um, uh, Burmese Kush, uh, the list goes on and on. And you began, uh, I guess, your professional career almost 20 years ago, 1993, right? In Amsterdam? Yeah, right. yeah. actually, it's our 20th anniversary coming up next year. So that's amazing. Very, very, that's, happy, uh, very happy to be in this industry that long. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And that's when, that's the year, 93, is when you, uh, you and Doug founded CIA, which was the original name, which was Cannabis in Amsterdam? Yeah, that's right. Um, cool. It was uh, in Cannabis in Amsterdam, for those who maybe heard about it or whatever, it was. Um, it was pretty cool because we were lucky enough to be there at the exact moment where, you know, we were left alone and let, let to do whatever we want. I had, um, you know, we had, like, grow rooms set up in our space, and we showed people maybe the first time ever seeing a plant growing or how to make hash or, you know, a lot of little things, which now people just it's sort of commonplace. But at that time, it really felt like we were at the... Uh, the cusp of the entire thing you know? so. yeah i mean those were really heady times the uh the early to mid 90s is when so many of those companies uh were formed that 
became sort yeah. of the backbone of the Dutch uh, seed industry in particular. I think I, fi- I think that those years, ninety three to about ninety six, were just yeah. really seminal. I, no pun intended. Actually, real, actually, a real special time too. I think that the cup was really um, was really exciting at that time too because it was like uh, it seemed like everybody kind of relaxed a little bit. There was a real real overall cool feeling going on. So. It's like everything, you know, things come and go, and that's why I moved to Denver, because I really felt that Denver was the next big spot. Yeah, so you've been there now for a couple of years, I believe, in Denver, right? I've been here two years now. Um, cool. We started a shop. We opened up a shop called The Hood Lab, which is all things Hood Lamb, uh, and and a lot of art, too, because one of the things I, I noticed about living in Europe uh, was that, you know, one thing I was quite jealous about with all my friends back home, it seemed like everybody was a little bit more on the on the art tip here, you know? So I was always kind of jealous a little bit. And when I got back here, I made it a point to open up a gallery so I could start showcasing all my friends. Nice, nice. Some of their art, too. Yeah. Well, we should mention, along with Hood Lamb and Hood Lab, uh, you guys also started the first hemp shop in Amsterdam called Hemp Works, right? Yeah. Actually, it was the first hemp store in all of Europe. So wow. we, again, were kind of on the cusp, you know? We had the first hemp store had the biggest seed collection. At one point when we were selling seeds uh, for other companies, we were selling, so we had Sirius Seeds, which had just started. We had Sagar Mother Seeds. We had TH Seeds. We had um, the Fancy Seeds. We had Pogatronic Seeds. So we were a lot like how Attitude is now, you know, biggest seed collection in the world. Yeah, big, um, a big wholesaler. Big wholesaler, and we were really, like, all about it. But then I realized after after a while, like, once I, once we started developing our own strains, I felt it was more important to focus on our own stuff and let the other companies, you know, let somebody else take on all those other companies, like Attitude and like a lot of those other companies now do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so let's talk for a moment about the hood lamp jackets because those are pretty much like, uh, you know, I guess uh, stoner uniform at this point. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much uh, – yeah, they definitely became the industry standard, I'd say, when it comes to people who are uh, – cannabis friendly and want to kind of put something back in and then i think then after they wear it they realize it's more than just a novel piece it's actually a utilitarian sort of device that everybody who you know lots of pockets lots of secret pockets paper dispensers all sorts of little features on it that really uh you know sing out to the the stoner out there and they say like wow this is and that's one of the reasons is because the weather here and the conditions and uh, the skiing and everything just really lend itself to it because, uh, you know, Amsterdam was great in cold and all that and wet. <laughs> but here, you know, so that's why we made the jacket as waterproof and as windproof as possible. And when you get to a place like here where it's sunny all the time but it might be, you know, snow up, up on the mountains year-round almost, it's the perfect place. Yeah, I mean, I can testify, having been in the in the in the hemp industry prior to working for High Times and seen, you know, how many uh, sort of not so great products were out there. The the Hoodlam yeah. is is really one of the one of the greatest hemp products that's ever existed. the The jacket is warm. The, it's made with fake fur and and the secret yeah. pockets and the rolling paper dispensers. And now that you have like the spring. Well, one of the things about hemp, which is uh, important, I think, it's like if you use it properly and you use it in the right right context, then it's great. You know, and if you try to, like, make a T-shirt out of, like, in the beginning, the problem was a lot of times when we first started, people were making T-shirts out of material which was maybe three times heavier than an average T-shirt, you know, so it's just not going to work. And, and now, over time, everything's kind of, it's almost like, you know, everything kind of came into place. Like, now we can, we can make material that's softer, thinner. Everything that we people thought hemp wasn't, you know what I mean, and now it's it's really it's just down to the to the design and the, the application of the of the item, you know. Right. On. One thing that the, that the hood lamp is really good because we applied this heavyweight material to a heavyweight sort of feature to a heavyweight kind of uh, item, and we you know we had nothing but positive results all the way down the line. It's one thing. It's one thing if you look up online hood lamp and, and like. Uh, trying to find something negative about it, it's almost impossible because everybody who buys it is just like blown away by the quality. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm on my second coat now and, and my first one lasted, uh, I don't know, almost 10 years. So, um, yeah, we, yeah, that's are... not, I mean, I, and I tell people that too, it's a little bit about, you know, the whole thing about hemp in general is it's a lot like how cannabis is. It's just so 
high quality all around, you know what I mean? So it's just a matter of, of using it properly. And a lot of times I think the problem was people didn't realize it and they make products that they, they don't put enough energy into the design of the product. And if you make something that, A, is going to last a long time, but if B does not have the, uh, the style potential of lasting a long time, then you end up with a, you know, right, but it's just defunct, sitting in the closet. <laughs> a defunct item, you know what I mean? And that's one of the things I try to tell people is, in my opinion, um, eco-friendly doesn't always mean that it has no, you know, no dye or it's completely vegan or something. I think people take it to extreme sometimes, you know, everybody's all about it has to be the purest of the pure. Well, really, it just has to be used properly. And, and the thing is, like, we use, I know we use ColorFast dyes because we've learned over the years that we can try to satisfy that one guy out there who can't, you know, wants everything to be completely organic and, and vegan. But the reality is, like, most people, it's, it's about something that they can wear all the time. You know? And that, to me, is eco-friendly. If you wear something 10 years, it's way more eco-friendly than I wore it for a year and then I tossed it in the closet. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, we are talking right now with Adam from TH Seeds, Seed Bank Hall of Fame uh, members in the in the inaugural uh uh, 10 seed banks that I put in the High Time Seed Bank Hall of Fame, as well as multiple uh, top 10 strain award winners and Cannabis Cup winners. Uh, let's talk about some of the new, newer strains that you guys uh, have out, including, I guess, the Cold Creek Kush, which won uh, last year, and the Electric Lemon G, which uh, won in Amsterdam. This year, yeah. Um, yeah, the last two times we were there, we brought a little bit of Colorado with us, as far as genetics go, and like Cold Creek Kush is a classic OG flavored plant, which I mean, as much as I like to diss on OG being so, it's pretty much the reality that everyone loves it. You know what I mean? It's it's unfortunate that we're so single flavor orientated when it comes to things. It's either going to be OG or Sour D or, you know what I mean? Or Chem does seem to be the predominant flavors out there. And um, we've always dabbled with the Sour D. We didn't do, and, and a little bit of the OGs as far as with the MK things like that. So what we did is we took our MK cross, which is already an OG uh, G13 cross, and then we crossed it out with a Cam 91, which again, sort of, we tried to double up on the flavors that people like, you know, and it obviously did a good job because it did win second place, and uh, that to me is usually an indicator. Second place, in my opinion, is always first place. <laughs> I look at it, you know. Yeah, because. absolutely, and and, uh, and the electric lemon has an interesting backstory as well. Um, why why does it have that uh, electric name to it? Um, well, the electric lemon tea is from a friend of mine from Ohio that live here, also in Colorado now, and they've they've been dabbling with uh, using electricity to run running current through their plants, and basically like daisy chaining the plants together so that they're you can basically see that the current is running consistently through. So if it comes in out. You know, you basically read the measures on the way in, on the way out, and you can see how much is being absorbed by the plants. And actual it, electricity. Actual electricity. Now, of course, we're not plugging it directly into, like, a 110 AC current. It is being dropped down to a, a safe level. So there's it's a little bit like the exercise um, things back in the day when they would flex your muscles. The plants respond similar in the sense that they're, um, they're working a little bit hard. They don't flex their muscles because they don't have the same situation that we have. But what they do do is it kind of uh, opens up the stomata at the right times, helps them feed faster, seems to keep bugs away too, which is interesting because, I mean, I'm assuming if there's an electric current running through it and you're a bug, it's probably a lot more intense than it is for us, you know. So it seems to hold the plant, hold the bugs back, and it speeds up by – depends. Like right now we're doing an experiment with some Neville's haze, which is notoriously long, maybe 15, 16-week flower sometimes, you know. And we're seeing if we can drop it down to around 12, you know, and that would be a pretty big jump. That's like about a whole month off, you know. Yeah. And and so it's kind of interesting. And one of the reasons I, I entered it last year, or this year was because, you know, I'm all about new, new ideas and trying to, to help people to bring bring it to fruition, you know. And yeah, we, we got some real fans out there, too. So after the Cups, we've got a lot of emails and a lot of interest from people about, um, you know, this new idea. And we coined the phrase Teslaponics because we love Tesla. And, uh, you know, the reality is there's so much out there. There's so many more ways to grow than one. And that, that's the interesting part about this industry is it's, I don't think you'll find two people ever growing the same, you know. They'll always have something different. And it may work for both in the, in the exact same way. Um, they might have the same results, but they might go out of it a completely different way, you know. That's, that's always interesting to see. 
Cool, cool. Well, we have, uh, as you're well aware, we have our Denver Medical Cannabis Cup, the second one uh, ever, coming up just in about oh, a yeah. week and a half, the 21st and 22nd, and that whole 420 uh, weekend that is so yeah, so I think huge. It's gonna be a, I think it's going to be a really, really good event. It's going to be – last year, was, a, last year was, was great, but I think this year, just because of all the energy with the uh, elections coming up and the and, uh, – the bills out there for, for legalization here, and I just just the fact that Denver is so hot right now, uh, in a good way, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and that they're, the whole timing with 420 and stuff. I don't think it's gonna get, I don't think you're gonna have a better cup this year, personally. I think yeah. It's really gonna, optimize the cup you know uh, yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it and i know you have uh, as well as entering some strains into the contest you're also going to be a part of my panel uh which is going to oh, yeah. be a, a grow panel on saturday at 3 p.m uh yeah. along with michael statler and uh um scott, scott from rare dankness and, uh, yeah, so I'm not going to get into too much uh, of the cultivation stuff on this particular episode because we are actually going to be broadcasting that uh, seminar as an episode of Free Weed in the, in the future. So uh, we'll talk a lot about growing then and a lot about uh, your preferred ways of growing, of drying, of curing, all those things. And we'll get that out to the people after we sure. do that. Um, I wanted to talk about a few of the older strains a little bit, um, the sage in particular, which I always remember as being very, very unique uh, among yeah. Dutch genetics. And so, and I know that it stands for what sativa Afghani sativa Afghanica genetic equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yeah, so, that's funny. A friend of mine, a friend of mine came here and he told me about his new strain, and it had the word equilibrium, and it was an acronym. And I was just looking at him like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're really going to throw out the equilibrium? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it really and, – and the meaning of that whole acronym is um, it's basically a 50-50 hybrid, but it leans heavy on the sativa as far as, as, far as dominance and flavor, and, which is – it's actually, the, to me, the perfect plant because it grows like an indica. It tastes like a sativa, and it has, like, an incredible yield potential also. So it's, I mean, it's kind of all around her. Uh, now, in Holland, I had a hard time getting people to ever grow it because it was 11 weeks, 11 and a half weeks. I think over here, people are a little more used to the idea that, hey, you know what? It might take a couple extra more weeks, but it yields good, and it creates a phenomenal product, you know? So that's that having, That being said, you know, we're, we're going to have some really nice sage for you when you get here. Nice. So, so we nice. have some great examples of it. And, it, and, it, and you know, it's, it's here, it's, again, the same problem. It's hard to get people to, like... If you can't mix it up in a room, if you have a room with everything like nine weeks, it's hard to leave a, a row for three extra weeks. You know what I mean? So, so most people, it's either one or the other. You do the whole room or not. You know. So. Right. Is that now? Is that would that be considered your desert island uh, strain out of all of oh, your? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Still is. Still is. It's funny because I, I, you know, I'm still looking for the other one out there, but whenever I go back to it, like if I, uh, what I like about here is it's a whole new crowd of people to try it and. Thing about sage, I tell people it's, it's anything with haze in it. It's a kind of a love-hate thing. Some people love it, some people don't, and they just get turned off by the, the different quality of it, you know. And it's um, it's. Uh, but what I noticed is the same person who may not like it the first or second time because it's strange to them that the quality of the high is so good and that it's such a like it literally is the most medical plan I have when I like if I have somebody who's needs needs quick relief or something give them a little bonk out of that or you know it, it's just it's so fun to watch because it really works so good you know and that's kind of what we're all looking for we're looking for the it's literally like you're rolling dice every time and you're trying to get that perfect combination and when you get it you know you try to hang on to it as long as possible i've had that strain for over 20 years you know so it's, it's definitely <laughs> I hang, I keep, it's a keeper you know at that point cool cool well um I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping it up, but I want to be sure to let people know how they can find out more. Uh, I guess there's always thseeds.com if they want to check yep. out the different strains, right? Yeah, thseeds.com. Um, what about for, to, for hemp works? Uh, well, you have, you have hoodlamstore.com, which is our shop here in Denver. Cool. Um, if, you want to, if, you're in, if you're in the States and you it's, want to talk to somebody here. It's um, hoodlamb. It's H-O-O-D-L-A-M-B, right? Um, Hood Lab is, yeah, but the shop is Hood Lab, Hood Lab. Uh, Store. Hoodlabstore.com. Hood that's right. And that's, so that, that's the local Colorado uh, shop of mine. Now, you can always go to our mother our mother site, which would be uh, hoodlab.com. 
and that'll that'll direct you to our international site where you can see everything that we do. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on here with us. I definitely want to encourage people, uh, if they're in Amsterdam, definitely check out the Hemp Works store. They have the hoodlams there as well as a ton of other uh, great hemp clothing and really great uh, organic cotton stuff with soy inks yep. and all kinds of you know iPath sneakers and a really cool shop with a lot of great stuff there. Um, yeah. The Hood Lab, if you're in Colorado, for sure. And, Santa Fe, and, that's at the, and that's actually in the art district of Santa, uh, Santa Fe Drive, which if you're ever in Colorado or in Denver in particular, and it's a first Friday, make sure you get down there because it's a great, great event. There's about average of about five, five to 10,000 people during the summer down there all in one, just, just cruising up and down the street, getting up all the galleries. Yeah. And uh, it's great. So definitely worth coming to. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I'll see you in uh, Denver, uh, and we will be doing the panel. Yeah, that sounds like fun. So thanks a lot, Adam, and uh, we will be back with more cultivation information for you on Free Weed from Danny Danko. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show right now, but I got to mention... BC Northern Lights and bcnorthernlights.com. These guys make these incredible grow boxes. They've been sponsoring us for a long time. So if you need a grow box to create your free weed, to make that cannabis, get yourself a bloom box, a producer, a mothership. Uh, The nursery makes a ton of clones if you're interested in that sort of thing. You can call them anytime, day or night, at 888-236-1266. Yes, the grow box costs a little money, but if you've got a credit card or something you can put it on, it's going to pay for itself within a harvest or two minimum. And then at that point, you know what you're smoking. You're growing it in your own home. Everything is touch screen, super easy. Check them out. BCNorthernLights.com. Uh, they got ads in high times. They got a phone number you can call anytime, 888-236-1266. Get a quote. If you mention free weed... They're going to waive the shipping, and they're also going to give you a free nutrient package for a full year. Uh, Typically, you can get up to four harvests in a year in one of these boxes. So you're going to have nutrients for a full year if you mention free weed from Danny Danko when you call them. And, And they'll appreciate knowing that you learned about them from this show. So give them a call, BC Northern Lights, 888-236-1266, or check out bcnorthernlights.com for more info. All right, welcome back. Thank you once again to Adam from TH Seeds. And what are we doing now, Mike? We're doing the cultivation segment? It's cultivation time. Let's start off with strain of the week. Strain of the week. Uh, If you guys were here last week, we had a pretty groundbreaking interview with the creator of this strain, Reefer Man. And the strain is the Love Potion number one. This is the one that really put him on the map as far as, uh, you know, high times and, and, and our... Uh, ability to, you know, discern new talent in the breeding world. So, yeah, it, 2004 Cannabis Cup, Reefer Man showed up and won first place in the sativa category for seed companies in 04, which was very surprising at the time. Very few Canadians had come over and won it like that before. So, uh, needless to say, that was very exciting, and he also earned... High Times Top 10 Strain in 2005 for the Love Potion number one. And this strain is absolutely amazing. I don't know, even know if it's still available at the moment, but uh, this surprise first place winner uh, put Canadian bred genetics on the map, basically. Uh, and what Reeferman did was he took a Santa Marta Colombian. One of his specialties is, you know, as we talked about last week, is finding these really nice, rare land race sativas and this Santa Marta Colombian really harkens back to those old days of uh, just amazing Colombian sativas uh, he crossed the Santa Marta Gold and G13 and then crossed that strain uh, with the Santa Marta Colombian Gold to create this amazing strain Okay, love potion number one uh, it ends up turning pink as it grows which is very rare, I don't see a lot of pink strains, when you smoke it it tastes like sweet lemonade, 
literally like down to the end of the joint. It just tastes like this beautiful, amazing kind of tart and sweet at the same time. Um, unique sativa characteristics of the strain do make it a little tougher to grow than your average strain. So it's not really for beginners, but don't be deterred because it will remind the, uh, the more old school heads, you know, people from back in the seventies and eighties that were smoking in those days, it'll remind them of that really psychedelic Colombian strains of your, uh, the Santa Marta, the Punta Roja, uh, the Colombian red reds, uh, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor, find out what a true sativa from South America has to offer. Uh, you can, uh, uh you can get reefer man seeds at medicinal Uh, the flowering time on the love potion. Number one is nine to 10 weeks. Reefer man definitely recommends going the full 10 weeks. And like most sort of longer flowering sativas, there are harvest windows. So you can harvest uh, you know, the tops at like nine weeks and then, uh, middle branches at 10 weeks and let the lower branches fill out even into the 11th and 12th week and harvest those then. And you will end up with a very, very heady, very electric, wonderful sativa high. If you can manage to get your hands on these love potion, number one seeds, please do, uh, pretty much anything you're going to get from reefer man is going to be top notch huge high quality stuff and so we're excited that he's back in the seed seed biz and uh very excited hopefully people will grow out some love potion number one and and share it with us uh at one of these cannabis cups somewhere and there you go yeah it was great to have reefer man on last week and uh, that strain as many other strains can be found on hightimes.com as part of danko's marijuana strain of the week each week we put up a new strain give a little bit of information linked to where you can get seeds for it and uh, that was love potion number one. What do you say we move on to a cultivation tip? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I feel like uh, we should go back and and go over my seven habits for highly effective pot growers. Obviously, a uh, a play on the seven habits of highly effective people thing. And so some of these are pretty obvious and some are not. But uh, the first one, obviously, is cleanliness. Uh, I've mentioned it a bunch on the podcast, but I've gone to a lot of grow rooms that are just plain dirty. Uh, Dead leaves on the floor, uh, brown leaves on the plant, uh, puddles of water. All of those are things that are inviting pests and problems into your grow room. So you got to pick up the dead leaves. you got to sweep up all your debris. Don't wait until piles accumulate. This is a daily process, so you you cannot just sit on the couch doing bong hits or or, uh, smoking bubble hash while these problems are happening. Uh, You want to check all your surfaces for the telltale telltale signs of pests and molds, uh, the tops and the bottoms of the leaves, the surface of the growing medium, the walls, the ceiling, the floor. Uh, Those smart growers change their clothes before they enter the grow room. Uh, They may have a special set of clothes that they wear only in the grow room. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's your mission to keep things clean. So that is the first of the, uh, seven habits. Uh, second one is realistic expectations. Uh, you're not going to get five pounds out of a thousand watt light. Uh, It's very, very difficult. I mean, pretty much next to impossible. You'd be vegging the plants out for four or five months. Uh, it doesn't really make sense fiscally or with the electricity you're going to use. So consider, you know, a gram per watt is an amazing thing to get. Even a half a gram per watt is pretty good. I mean, you think you think uh, 500 grams out of a 1,000-watt lamp is, is actually pretty darn good. You're getting over a pound, and that's great. But you can't have these outlandish kinds of expectations, and you can't count chickens before they hatch. So, you know, you're paying for rent, you're paying for electric, you're paying for your various equipment costs. All those have to be accounted for before you embark on a growing project. And all those unforeseen costs and glitches in scheduling and timing can quickly add up to thousands of dollars in expenses and months lost in unanticipated delays. So if somebody tells you, oh, you know, uh, you can grow five pounds every two months, uh, I would not extrapolate that out. And just say, oh, I'm going to get this much amount of money for every two months, and I'll be a millionaire in a couple of years. It doesn't work that way. All kinds of things come up. So have realistic expectations. Uh, third on the list, attentive, attentiveness to plant needs. Okay, The plant speaks to you in a lot of different ways. And basically, you have to provide them with what they need without overdoing it. Um, 
they really want to grow. So you kind of, you know, as much as you want to keep things clean and you want to feed them and water them, you also need to stay out of their way and be attentive. So provide the proper atmosphere, uh, limit fluctuations in temperature, feeding, and airflow. Uh, avoid the stress that's going to cause you delays. Read books on cultivation, not just cannabis, but all kinds of books, uh, reading books, everything. Pay attention to the theory as well as the execution. That's very important. Uh, nutritional requirements. The plant will tell you what it needs. If it starts to go a little yellow, give it some nitrogen. Check the pH. Maybe it's a pH thing. You never know. But uh, that is the third thing. Fourth, curiosity. Okay, There's no one perfect way to grow. Uh, you should experiment. You should listen to other growers. You should be uh, accepting of new ideas. If you're going to experiment, you need to try your experiments with one plant. Don't do it with all of your plants. But if you find that you know something that you do raises your yield on that plant by 5%, and then you can do that across the board on all your plants, that's a pretty substantial increase in your efficiency. So you can continue to build upon that and tweak it and you know, raise your efficiency level by being curious about these techniques, okay? The curious grower doesn't discount new ideas, equipment, or techniques without proper analysis. So, you know, if you if you hear about a new nutrient or something, try it on one plant, see how the plant responds, always be measured and patient, uh, but always be willing to learn something new with every harvest. So staying ahead of the curve, being curious is key. Another thing, fifth thing, patience, okay? Many a promising garden has been torn down prematurely due to financial troubles, paranoia, family obligations, or just plain greed. So uh, do not let these profit margins and all these ideas get in the way of perfection, okay? The plant has to complete its life cycle to fulfill its true destiny, and it's your responsibility as a cannabis grower to do everything in your power to make that happen. So do not let impatience cloud your vision. Okay, you didn't spend all that time, those months of vegging or a month of vegging and then two months of flowering to jump the gun and harvest a premature crop or some, something that never got a chance to reach its true potential. So make sure not to harvest too soon. And patience means you're in this thing for the long haul, not a quick score. So plant some long flowering sativas uh, among your indicas and you know let them go the full full length of what they do. Also, you know, same thing about patients goes for drying and curing especially. Okay, Freshly chopped pot plants are 70% liquid. Uh, it's going to take some, a, a good amount of time to properly remove that water weight. And quickly dried buds taste poorly and smoke even worse. So patience, please. Take your time and you'll be rewarded with a final product worthy of your efforts and worthy of the whole cause of free weed. And uh, last but not least, humility. Uh, this is one I kind of caught some shit for putting this in here, but I really do think it's important. Uh, growing marijuana, even though we have these you know, cannabis cups and all this stuff, growing is not a contest, okay? We all love the same plant. There's hundreds of ways to grow her right. Uh, so, you know, I've met plenty of arrogant growers who love to put down other people's nugs and they'll argue for days about how nobody can produce better pot than them. Uh, nobody wants to think that they don't grow the best pot in the world, but that type of energy is going to end up infusing some of that negative and competitive uh, kind of thoughts and energy into the plants. So if you love what you're doing, you're already winning. So take pride in your agricultural, <clears throat> excuse me, Take pride in your agricultural accomplishments, but don't become the human buzzkill that's always seeking to one-up others, okay? Because it's boring and you're compromising the integrity of, of people's highs, okay? Let your buds speak for themselves, and the company you enjoy will enjoy themselves too. And remember that, above all, famous fleeting and real cannabis aficionados show enthusiasm and encouragement to all that share our beloved hobby. So stay humble. Uh, even if you think your buds are the best, you know, there's no reason to go putting down other people's strains. Let your pot speak for, your, for you. And uh, those are the seven habits of highly effective growers. And you I can, like that. That I like the uh, do not compromise the integrity of my high. That's a lot uh, more eloquent than buzzkill. Yeah. Pardon me, sir. You are compromising the integrity of my high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had to say that a couple of times to people. It's not fun, but, you know, yeah. uh, like I said, it's it's not – you know, as much as, you know, everybody loves having great buds, it's not all one big competition. 
we're in it to share, and that's the concept of free weed is uh, to improve the qu- quantity and quality of everybody's bud, not just your own. And uh, as a terrible segue, you all should come to our marijuana contest in Denver, <laughs> where we will be judging and deciding, <laughs> where we will judge the best bud. No, I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a time and a place to uh, to I guess pay uh, proper respects to really well-grown cannabis, but it does uh, – the, the grower's attitude is reflected in the weeds. So Absolutely. There you go. Uh, let's move on. Let's do some uh, some Q&A from the readers as always, guys. Q&A. That stands for questions and answers, right? It does. It stands okay. for questions and then answers. Uh, everybody at home, you could reach Dan and I uh, through Twitter, at Danny Danko, at MyQs underscore, hashtag FreeWeed. Those all work. You can also email us, uh, FreeWeed at HighTimes.com, and get your question to us. We will answer it. Dan will answer it on air. Let's get started. First one comes from Toronto GQ. Uh, he or she writes, uh, which is better to do in flower pertaining to lights, having one uh, metal halide bulb? And uh, high-pressure sodium or having all HPS with no MH at all. <clears throat> I've read that having a HPS with MH is good because you get a wider spectrum of light, but I've been told that it won't make a difference. And just to use all HPS for flour and all MH for veg, what's your take? Okay, great question. Um, in my opinion, I think it's best to mix the lights. So if you have the 600 HPS and the 400 uh, metal halide, uh, mix them. Put them both up, move the plants around so they get some of each light, or use a light mover so that either you move the light or the plants. But that mix of of HPS and and MH is definitely better than just one or just the other. Um, Obviously, a lot of growers would recommend metal halide for vegetating and high-pressure sodium for flowering. But if you can mix the two uh, and you can afford to do it, you can afford the electricity and the cost of the lights, and you can deal with the extra heat, mix them. You know, I think... uh, you can't go wrong by having more more light and more uh, of a spectrum on there. So I would say uh, mix the lights if you can. Uh, when in doubt, mix. That's a, that's a great question. Thank you very much, Toronto GQ. Uh, next question, also via email, comes from Christian. Hey, guys. Love your radio show. Quick question. It's my first time growing indoors, and my leaves are looking a bit yellow. Not sure what's going on. Any info would be helpful. Dan, what do you think? Okay. Um, It's one of two things typically when leaves start going yellow. It's either a nitrogen deficiency or it's a pH fluctuation, uh, low pH or, or high pH. So the first thing I would do is check the pH. Because if that's the problem, it's easily fixed, and you basically just have to balance the pH one way or the other. If it's low, bring it up. If it's high, bring it down. If you're growing in soil, uh, you want about 6.5. If you're growing in hydro, maybe 6.0, 5.8 at all times. So if it's soil, uh, pour pH balance or about 6.5 water into the soil and then test the water that comes out the bottom or you can use the dipstick tester as well uh, that dips right in the soil but I I find that testing the water runoff is a little better because you'll get a good idea if it's down to like 5.0 then you really do have very low pH and you need to raise it using uh, lime or pH up of some sort Uh, that's the first thing now if if your pH is fine and that's not the problem and you've determined that your pH is okay then typically leaves going yellow would be a nitrogen deficiency, meaning you have to add uh, a high nitrogen nutrient such as uh, anything recommended for vegetative stage. Uh, the NPK listings are always have nitrogen first. That's the N. And so if that first number is a high number, 10, 1, 1, or something like that, it'll either say grow or veg on the nutrient. Uh, give the plant a good dose of that, and you should see it green up very quickly. Um, keep in mind... Uh, deficiencies are a lot better than overfeeding. So you're actually not in that bad of a situation. If you had the burnt tips that are indicative of overfeeding, then you really need to flush everything out. But because it's just starting to go yellow, uh, you're not in super danger of burning your plants or killing them. Give them some high nitrogen nutrients. And, you know, obviously don't go overboard, but give them a nice dose and you will see them start to green up immediately and then just continue feeding 
uh, as needed. All right, very good. I uh, hope that helps, Christian, and good luck with your first indoor grow. Absolutely. It's fairly common. For, for both problems are fairly common, the pH uh, problem and the nitrogen deficiency. So I think it's more uncommon not to have your leaves turn yellow on your first go. That's Absolutely. A, yeah. So, yeah, the fact that you even have leaves is pretty amazing on your first grow. So keep up the good work and, and keep listening and learning. All right. Thanks, Christian. Uh, final question. Also email. It is from Jason. Uh, Jason writes, my PPM, parts per million, is off the scale. I have a blue HANA TDS meter that tops out at 2,000. Week 8 of the GMB calls for 2,000 PPM alone. How do I manage this properly throughout the week? Okay. Uh, GMB is a program from Advanced Nutrients. Uh, and here, I think he also says he's using Bud Candy, Big Bud, and Piranha in powder form. Uh, what you know, these nutrient company uh, profiles call for is typically pretty high on the scale of what you want to be feeding your plants. I mean, obviously, uh, not just this company, but all nutrient companies want to sell more nutrients, and they know that you know you can use a, a, a lot without going overboard as far as. Uh, burning your plants. So, but I do believe that 2,000 parts per million is too much uh, in hydro or soil, and I do think that eventually you're going to end up with uh, nutrient buildup, salt buildup, and things that uh, obviously even the plant is going to just be taking in more nutrients than it needs. You're going to have to flush more. So I say err on the side of caution. I don't think you really need to go over 1,500 parts per million when you're feeding plants, and that's in the nutrient solution that you're using. So if you test it and it's up to 2,000, uh, you know, dilute it a little more, get it down to 17, get it down to 15, and you won't be underfeeding your plants by, by a long shot, but you will ensure that you're not overfeeding them. So uh, even though they may recommend 2,000 parts per million or uh, another nutrient company might recommend, you know, three tablespoons per gallon, you're always, I think, better off you know, maybe giving them two tablespoons per gallon instead of the three. And then if you see the deficiency, if you see yellowing, add more. But err on the side of less nutrients and you'll actually have a better bud. You'll have less harsh burning, less harsh tasting bud uh, because some of that stuff is tough to flush. I mean, even a two-week flush, if you're, if you're growing at 2,000 parts per million, a two-week flush with plain water is not going to get all that out. So uh, it might be different, you know, if you're growing, you know, orchids or, or lilacs or something, but this is something you're going to consume. So you want it to burn properly. You want it to taste properly. And I don't think you're going to do that by overfeeding. And I do believe 2000 parts per million is too much. So, you know, like I said, err on the side of caution, use a little bit less or dilute it a little more and you should be fine. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Thanks to everybody who sent in a question. As always, please do reach out to us. It is uh, at Denny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore, hashtag freeweed, and of course, freeweed at hightimes.com. We're going to take a little break, come back and wrap it up, but stick with us. We will do our best not to compromise the integrity of your high. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right. Welcome back. What an episode 21. It's been a lot of fun. We're getting gearing up and getting ready to head to Denver for what is proving to be a very epic cannabis cup, medical cannabis cup in Denver, uh, April 21st and 22nd. We're going to be there for 420. I've never gotten to experience the Colorado 420 experience. Very excited about that. Yeah, uh, that'll that'll be fun. I'm actually going to be in, at the Boulder rally wow, on yeah, 420. Are, that, are you going to the Denver one? I'll be at the Denver one, but the Boulder one's looking interesting. I think yeah. there could be there could be some interesting could be some conflict there. Conflict and and there's a whole a whole unwritten thing that that we don't know what's going to happen there. But I do believe that the cannabis enthusiasts will prevail one way or another there and in denver of course so we're excited about that thank you so much to our guests thank you to elise mcdonough author of the uh high times cannabis cookbook thank you to adam from th seeds we'll uh, see you both actually very soon we'll in see denver. you guys in denver uh hemp hood lab uh hemp hood lamb and the hood lab in colorado uh definitely check them out thseeds.com 
thank you to these raw papers. I love smoking these raw papers, man. I really they do. They are delightful. They burn very clean, and it's a yeah, it's a great you know, product. No additive, no nothing chemical. Wonderful. Love the raw papers, even though they're not a sponsor. But uh, gotta send a shout out to them. We just Sh- like them. Yeah. Shout out to all our listeners. Uh, you guys rock. We are uh, off the charts right now on FeedBurner and and iTunes. We're really excited. Really hitting our stride. You know, this isn't really our uh, our primary gig, so you know, I'm not a radio guy. I'm really happy you guys stick with us. I'm happy to get all the, the feedback on Twitter, uh, Facebook, email. You guys rock. So keep it up. Spread the love. Spread the message of free weed. Whatever you, however you can. I mean, uh, tape the show, play it for your friends, encourage them. If you grab their cell phones out of their hands like I do, and and force them to subscribe. Uh, well, don't force. We them. are not encouraging that. <laughs> encourage them. Is, Encour- yeah, encourage them to do that. Yeah, don't force anyone. Please. Yeah, like us on Facebook. Like, uh, you know, why don't you like us? <laughs> uh, also, us- important to note: this is going to be our last show for a little while. But we have some big plans for Denver. Uh, Russ oh, yeah. Belleville of Normal is going to be uh, good enough to help us out do a live show in Denver. Excited and, uh, for that live show yeah, for our first, our first one. First one, very cool. And then also uh, Dan. He's moderating a, a seminar, I believe it's Saturday? Yes, I'm Saturday. moderating a grow seminar Saturday, and the we will 21st. Be, we will be recording that, and that will also be an episode of Free Weed. So, so big stuff coming up. Absolutely. And I will also want to mention, anybody out there in Denver, uh, if you come up to me and mention the show and uh, show me that you're a subscriber on your phone or your iPad, uh, a free Free Weed sticker will be handed to you post haste on the spot so and if you come up to me i will be shocked (laughs) absolutely so hey (laughs) episode 21 thank you to all our guests thank you to all the listeners thank you to the sponsors and supporters uh thank you to the whole cannabis industry you guys rock we'll see you guys in denver and uh that's it wrapping it up